everybody, this is Julie Barella Mills. And this is Joe Lopez. And we're coming from the offices of Modern Times Magazine uh, for this month's podcast. Uh, hey, Joe, how's it going? Everything's going great. Just a little hot outside. We're about to hit 120 today. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> well, you know what? Living here 32 years in Phoenix, uh, I don't seem to mind. I just go from air-conditioned house to air-conditioned car to air-conditioned office. So it's all good. So what, what do we have to talk about today? Well, you know, I was I was uh, taking a look at you know the news here out in the you know in rock in general, and I just seem to see a lot of bands uh, unfortunately coming to the end of their careers, or let's just say, not the end of their careers so much as saying the end of long tours, yeah, so to speak. Um, so I thought that might be a good thing to bring up, being that these tours are currently you know passing through you know, your town here in the U.S., mm-hmm. or will soon be coming, um, you know, through town as well. Yeah, you know, through um, here in Phoenix, yeah. Exactly. Right. So, you know, the the, uh, the bands that uh, seem to be doing the, well, let's see, we have Aerosmith doing the Aeroverderci tour. Aeroverderci. Aeroverderci. Okay, you guys say it better than I do. And they've already given their their goodbye Tour uh, for the South America area. Oh, okay. And then, of course, right, um, right about now, they're doing a 17-day tour um, of Europe for right. that end. So I can only suspect that they're going to do their um, final tour for here in the U.S. coming up as well. Oh yeah, exactly. But yeah. they seem to be very musical still. I mean, I don't think that they're going to retire like the entire band or. Um, Something to that effect, but I th- think what they're going to do is just not tour, you know, like they have uh, for the past, what Aerosmith's going on, 50 years. It's no ridiculous. No it's kidding. ridiculous. You know, it's interesting, and and obviously the core is, you know, with Joe Perry and, and uh, Steven Tyler um, and said Brad uh, Whitford, right? C- right. Correct, Bert, correct, and I can't remember some of the other band members. It just, it's amazing. Sometimes if you, you do remember the band members themselves you can, I guess, follow them through and stuff. And, of course, we had bands like Led Zeppelin and stuff that ended because they had, um, you know, their their members pass, like uh, John Bonham, you know, with um, with them. And then, you know, and but but you can't say the same thing with The Who because they, they're still continuing. Right. Um, actually, they're going to be doing, interesting enough, they're not doing a, a we're going to get back to your subject, but they're doing a residency tour in Las Vegas uh, sometime around August. Oh, uh, and okay. I'm not sure how many dates it is. Um, I remember checking uh, that uh, there are tickets available. It just so happened to be around the same time that, uh, for example, one of the bands we're going to be talking about today, uh, Deep Purple. Uh, right. Deep Purple doing that. But getting back to Aerosmith, um, I remember, and this is interesting, you know, we talk about these last tours, but do you remember 1985 at um, uh, at the old... Um, uh, oh my Compton God! Compton Terrace at Hall Compton Terrace. Mm-hmm. They had been, I guess, at the end of their, um, with their uh, association with CBS Records, and they had some really bad out. This was before Geffen took them over, and they had, you know, uh, with, um, uh, you know, with their their resurgence. But it was one of, and it was amazing because I know there are Aerosmith fans out there, but I never forgot how. I don't know. It's it, it was like it was like Stephen was 
was on something, you know, he was, he was all drugged out and it was just, it was almost the nadir. It was almost the low point in their career. And this was back in 85. I remember, um, there was like four different bands and stuff, um, that were playing in there. And, um, it, it, for those fans, they would, they would actually remember what that was. But then all of a sudden they come back with about two years later, uh, with, um, well, they came back with Done With Mares on Geffen. Right. And did and that, didn't do as well, but it, it was the one following um, with, know, permanent, Lu- with, with Lu- permanent, permanent vacation. vacation. That one was, you know, what really got him back, back on track, you know. Um, well, and I had a guy, there was interesting. Remember when we used to go over to um, Los Angeles all the time and they did that thing, the Concrete Foundation, and, right. uh, you know, that thing. I met a guy over there um, who was uh, part of the um, Warner Electric Atlantic named Francis Alaberti, and I'm not sure if he's, you know, still with the label or anything, or, or passed away or anything, but he uh, he was at one of the panels, and I asked him, I said, you know, what is, um, you know, something about a, a record store clerk like me, or a writer like me, you know, can I, I, I would like to be able to, to talk to you about that, and, or something, what, whatever the case may be, and he invited me to his offices, and kid you not, Joe, this is interesting, but he goes, I want to preview a single for you. And he plays Love in an Elevator. I kid you not. Oh it was my. either that oh, or that, that or, awesome. dude, or Dude Looks Like a Lady. And he goes, he goes, I want to preview this. He goes, this hasn't been played yet on the radio. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty cool single. And I'm like, I can't believe. I was like at the, the beginning right. of that. Because when that album came out, I'm like, wow. That was an amazing... I mean, everybody was buying that thing. Yeah, it and was a great record. It was. And so now you come... That was, what, 87? And now we're 30 years later. I know, and that was their second go-around, you know, with, with fame. Yeah. You know, and, they, you know, and they, they've kept it pretty much going. I mean, they're still a top concert draw. Um, so, you know, I'm sure they'll be playing the festivals and, and, you know, things like that, you know, off dates, maybe, you know, a handful of cities, kind of like how the Stones are doing. Right. That type of thing. Right. I think they'll probably start doing things like that where, you know, like the Stones just played... Uh, what five? Well, they're playing five shows. I know in Europe this this year, and I mean. But there's always but but Joe, we're talking about these bands that are kind of in their finality, and but it's like, just like what happened with the Who, is it really going to be final? I mean, we can't be going like, <laughs> oh well, you know, we're now the return of the return of, and I mean, you know, when I when the Who came about, I mean, the fans were just flocking there. Um, and, you know, even to the point, I remember one time um, back in 82, I guess that that famous one where in Cincinnati, where a bunch of fans got um, trampled and they died, you know, because obviously everybody wanted to get into the into the show. And of course, tickets were much reasonable at that time, mm-hmm. you know, like right. the, the $7 tickets and stuff that, you know, they, you never see anymore. Right. Um, and, you know, now they're doing it you know, all these years later and stuff. And you're thinking, well, God, is it a fine? Uh, uh, is it a final? So, I mean, you're mentioning, you know, these bands will sometimes do one offs and in here and there. But when are they actually going to say goodbye? When, goodbye, when, that's it. You know, when they, when someone passes away, God forbid. The only, the only ones you know? that have done it and, step, and stuck to their guns. And even then you have two concerts with Led Zeppelin. You know, the, well, three. Because Live Aid, um, when, uh, when the uh, president of Atlantic had passed away and then when... Uh, 
the 40th anniversary of Atlantic. That's true. So you have those three. And there's um, rumors that they might do something. And there's still rumors, but it's like they're the only ones that kind of stuck to their guns since 1980. Since and that's a long time. That is a long so time. So it's like, but, uh, yeah. you know, with Aerosmith, you know, getting back to Aerosmith for a quick second. Yeah, they're one, they have all five of their original members. Oh, you know, wow. You have the Who, you know, they don't have Keith Moon, you know, or John Entwistle playing with them any longer, you know, so you have half half the band. Right. Um, we have <laughs> we have Foreigner uh, that's on tour right now for the 40, their 40th anniversary. But it's Kelly Hansen who's who's fronting it. And I love Kelly Hansen. And I love Kelly Hansen. I, I do I mean, too. Kudos to, you know, ha- what an ace voice. I mean, Absolutely. And he's got a great lineup. I mean, Jeff Pilson. I mean, you can't oh, get any yeah. better. I mean, you can't get an, any better lineup. But at the, at the same time, you know, it. Mick Jones is the only one that's an original member. And that's it was true. kind of, it was, I mean, not... He was ill at, well, for a while last year, and he, they still continue to do the dates without him. And I was kind of like going, wow, there's not one of those guys that was in the band wow. during the heyday of, you know, when they made songs that were played on the radio. So at what time, at what point do you say it's a tribute? And it's kind what, of yeah, like what exactly. happened. What's well, like the, the whole thing with uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow over there in Europe right now? I mean, it's it, it definitely, it's, it's just a tribute band. I mean, the fact of the matter is everybody, they, the, the way they scheduled it was to have, you know, just Richie. That's the way the management had did it, where they went ahead and said, it's just Richie. And, uh, you know, because they'll go and see him and see him only. And then but they you have know what? a bunch of these people. And, I, and I'll beg I'll be to all, um, the old adversary, um, Richie's old adversary, um, what, Ian David Coverdale. Oh, David Coverdale. David Coverdale. And let me tell you, David Coverdale you know, is signed as White Snake, a.k.a. Principal Principal David Coverdale. In other words, David Coverdale being White Snake. Oh, okay. And David Coverdale has always had the tastiest musicians, yeah, the did. best musicians coming forth on White Snake. You know, he doesn't have that 1987 lineup, but man, let me tell you, every single time that White Snake comes in, I know that they are going to have top-notch yeah. musicians and I mean, we're talking people with reputations, people... He spares no expense. It pains me to see a YouTube video <laughs> with the bass player, and and, I'm, and I feel no inspiration from the keyboard player, and the keyboard player's great. Yeah. You know, and he could have got... He could have put together a NAS-kicking lineup. Anybody wants to play... So many people would love the honor of just being on stage with Richie Black. Exactly. And it's... I mean, there's so many people that were at his disposal. But it's, it's about the M-O-N-E-Y. It's about the M-O-N-E-Y. But I mean, how and, much and money... It, it costs so little to... He just has these two guys from his Renaissance band, the drummer and the... And the, yeah. And the bass player from his Renaissance band. They can hardly keep... I mean, you can listen to the live... There's nothing going... Well, you know, this there. last time, did this, this, and, and, you know, I know we're going off the subject here, I but know. you know, this, like, the, the, the concert, but I don't I know, care. We're going on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but the concert that was held on the 17th, okay. You know, I, I've spoken with friends over there, and they, you know, they tell me, you know, Richie is God over there. Understand. I, I get it. All right? But please don't insult my intelligence when you release a single. I surrender. You remake a single with a guy who can only really sing one vocal style, and that is the deal. Okay, maybe he can do Coverdale. 
maybe Gillen. Okay? But not the sweet. But he can't. The sweet, soulful soul sound of Joe Lynn Turner. Turner. I knew you were going to say that. I'm sorry, but oh. I had to mention it. We but had to fall into that. We fall into a Joe Lynn Turner situation. We do fall into but, a I mean, Joe Lynn Turner. It did have something it, to do with it, that. It was, it was really, yeah. it, 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 it was a slap in the face. Okay? It really was. But it, it was, was a slap in the face, not just to Joe. I mean, it's a slap in the face to, to uh, you know, I mean, you could have had... You know, think of it the way that. Uh, oh God, now I'm really going off on a tangent. Okay, like Schenker trying. He, you know, he's, you know, he's a great guy. I mean, he's kind of you know very spiritual. He talks kind of like you know very new agey right. and stuff. And he always talks about building this temple of rock. Well, you know, he had this great idea, and he says, you know what? He goes, I'm going to take all the singers I've worked with. He goes and give those fans the best show that they've ever had. Yeah. He took. A tour to, to to Tokyo where he had Robin McCauley, Graham Bonnet, wow. Gary Barden, wow. all of them to share the stage during a portion of a big set. They gave the fans what they wanted, and, and I just don't see, and you know, and I don't think there was any squabble. And I can assure you that Richie's making way more per show than Michael Schenker is. Right, and he uh, granted, and, and he had to actually they um, they had to cancel the Manchester show. Um, in respect for the um, victims, the victims yeah. that you know, and the bombing um, last last month and stuff, and so, but and and you know, I I understand that it's just, and they're all going to carry on with the Glasgow show and with the Birmingham show. Um, the the Birmingham show takes place on the twenty fifth, but the whole thing, and you know, I look, those that went saw a a show. They will say it was the best show. That is fine. The actual band itself went above and beyond this time. Uh, during the song Burn, there was all these um, back screen um, uh, figures in the, in the back where they would actually you know, put some stuff on screen. They put the big rainbow up there. They put the straight between the eyes. The eyes, you know, uh, from, the, from that. Mm -hmm. Even though they didn't play any songs from there because the only two... Jolyn Turner era songs that they uh, played, from what I understand, was Spotlight Kid, and, and of course it. the I Surrender, which was done with programmed drums. Okay, it was programmed drums, and even the drummer and the bass player admitted, one admitted on YouTube, the other admitted on, on his Facebook page, they had nothing to do with it. And then Russ Ballard actually showed up and did uh, Since You've Been Gone, because of course... They did not change the musical arrangement. They did not put in any special lyrical, um, you know, changes or anything like Joe Lynn Turner did for I Surrender when he, you know, started with the band in November of 1980. So, I mean, that was his, basically his tryout song, you know. I mean, he did other songs, but, but, but I Surrender was right, the one right, who made right, all right, the changes. Right. And so then you get Ronnie Romero, who only can sing one vocal style, and... Some of the fans were like, some of the the whole pro Richie. I mean, and weekend this battle, and I know the people themselves, the band members themselves, are not necessarily warring. But us fans get really, really upset by the fact is like, you know what? That's that's a slap in Joe's face. I mean, this guy, you know, did these things, made it his signature song. When he went to Sweden Rock Festival, which was about a week before the Rainbow, the Rainbow concerts, 
Oh my God, what an amazing vocal on it. I could tell. I could tell. He was just putting so much passion, so much emphasis in it. You could tell. He goes, I, he was saying, I own this song. This is my song. You know, whatever. And I just, I, I just couldn't get it. I, I really did not get and it. Meanwhile, so, Julie, the battle rages on. Sure, it does. Okay, which brings us to our next stop, <laughs> Deep Purple. And, and it, you know, it's funny, and it's still in the family. It but, still is you know, in the family. Yes, and, you know, bringing up the, you know, the thing, you know, you have the the Deep Purple album with Infinite, right? You know, and and uh, you have Ian Pace's Heart Attack from what was that? Like, he, he was a, he had he had two a years T, ago? TIA, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, almost. It was actually a stroke. It was almost a stroke. So they're doing the tour, and it's called the Long Goodbye. Yeah. So, we're, you know, I think what they're doing is they're like saying goodbye, but not wanting to have that cheese factor that you were just talking about. Yeah. Of like, don't say it's going to end if it's really not going to end. Exactly. So they're smart about it. They're saying, hey, this is the long goodbye. Right. You know, like another one that had 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 a. Um, a similar situation happened was the Scorpions did their final tour a couple of years back and it became the most successful tour that they had had like in, I don't know, God knows how long. Right. But, and they just go, oh my God. They said, look at everybody who came and they said, we're going to keep going. I know. Forget and, it. and I, I just, and, and, and uh, there was an interview actually, a very interesting interview with Ian Gillen the other day. Um, and it's online. Um, it was, he was just very, um, very reflective, introspective. And um, he was just kind of saying, you know, look, when the time comes, the time comes. He says, right now, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to paraphrase anything that he said. I'm just trying to get, just kind of trying to get the gist of it. He says, but he says, you know, there is a time we have to end this. You know, and he says, we might, you know, maybe we would have something in this, you know. that, And, of course, we were talking about that, where he has all of these, the, that Purple had maybe 20 songs, and they only fit, like, 10 on, on Infinite, um, which it's just, that is just what they, they may do. Um, and, but I'm very, very happy. I've seen some of the footage that they've done. Um, you know, they'll introduce the stuff from Now What, which was, I loved Love that album. Great album. Great Absolutely, album. Absolutely love them. And I, I still have, I have some more, you know, to listen to in, in Infinite to get used to it. I love Time for Bedlam. Absolutely Time love. for Bedlam is one of the best songs on there. I like Bird of, Birds of Prey. It took me a... That's a good one, that, too. Yeah. It's one that you can listen to over and over again. I'm beginning to... And it's funny because there was one that I... Gosh, I'm trying to think about it. Isn't it the surprising? Isn't that the one is... Uh, there's a couple that... There's one that took me a while to kind of... To really to get, get into, into the groove, because it was just a little and left then, of center. Right, exactly. And then they do Roadhouse Blues. They do like a, you know, kind of a tribute to the, the old thing. Doors, well, it's the doors. With the doors. But I yeah. mean, but it's just so cool, because they did that with their last album, too, where they, they just kind of brought a different, but they did that on an al- off album as a B-side. Right, right, Or right. something. Yeah, I thought it was strange that they would they, they would use that song, but I guess um, having having seen the uh, the video... I guess the idea behind that was to add a bit of fun uh, to the to the sessions. Yeah, that's stuff. true. I mean, that's kind of like what they did with Vincent Price. With off of that, I loved Vincent Price. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I got a little scared when I saw the Bob. When I all of a sudden I seen Bob Ezrin trying to point, point everything out. 
because I was in the, uh, I had come into the studios with Kiss during the Revenge, um, the oh, recording of Revenge. Right, right, right. And they, I was there to hear the thing. He goes, well, sit down, you dumbass, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and it was like, I could see how he is in the studio. And I recognized his voice right off when I was watching the documentary wow. that came with Infinite. And I was just like, oh, shit, I got I totally remember him going, sit down, you dumbass. He goes, we're going to play this. And I can remember they played Heart of Chrome and uh, Unholy. And I was just mesmerized. And I was actually the first journalist uh, to be able to hear the album. Really? I, yeah, I went in with the whole the whole band. No kidding. It was, yeah, definitely, wow. definitely, definitely, you know, for me, a huge, huge, huge Kiss fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was just awesome. And that leads me to Kiss. Which and that's this is this has got to be kind of like a strange uh, speaking on farewell because you know you always feel like Gene Simmons is going to live forever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you do. He's one of those guys that's going to live forever, right? Exactly. And uh, he was ta- talking about you know he's 67 now and they're definitely not going to be doing this when they get into their 70s. Right. And he said they'll probably go on for a couple more years. You know, a few more years, and they finally made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They bitched about that after they did. Yeah, that. Yeah, he says, you know. But lo and behold, I was shocked to read the final part is that he thinks that they're probably going to do a, a really huge, huge final concert. Right. That will be free. Oh. Geez. And I was like, boy. <laughs> I said, now there's something there. Okay. I said, you know. Gene Simmons having a free concert with Kiss. I go, that's gonna be. I mean, yeah, but 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 what is he gonna do? Okay, let's let's get to the let's get to the heart of the subject on Kiss. Okay, all right. If people start doing the quote unquote devil horns during this whole thing, is he gonna go cha ching, cha ching, cha ching, cha ching? No. Okay. Well, what are we talking about here, Joe? Well, we're talking about Kiss. Obviously, we have moved the subject on to the Kiss. Versus Dio. And of course, be, I'm totally torn because I'm a huge Kiss fan since I was 13 years old. Um, but I'm a Dio freak yeah. and stuff. And I think while both of them have good points on both sides, I mean, I know, I, I tend to believe that Gene Simmons was doing the I love you sign in sign language. Okay, so for for those in the audience who may or may not know what is going on, because obviously it's, you know, it's um, what happened was Gene Simmons came out last week uh, or the week prior stating that he was either going to patent or trademark the devil horns, which Ronnie James Dio is known for. He said he perfected it um, in the 2005 Metal Evolution series the headbangers you know journey he had mentioned he had talked to he had talked to the um uh the mc there and they were talking he said look i did not invent it he said but i perfected it and he got it from his grandmother he saw when she would do it you know because he's he's italian it was it's called the the maloik the maloik and it is something that he used to see. It was to, to ward off evil spirits. And the or evil eye. If somebody the, gave you the evil exactly, eye. Exactly. Or you could give yeah. it to them. You could give it to them. And, yeah. and when Ronnie was doing, you know, Ronnie and the Prophets, and he was doing Elf, and he was doing Rainbow, he did not do that symbol. 
But when he got hired with Black Sabbath, okay, and he re resurrected their careers, I mean, literally resurrected that whole band um, with what the Heaven and Hell. What people don't realize is that Heaven and Hell is the biggest selling Black Sabbath album of all time. Wow. Just, so wow. Ozzy does not have that distinction of having the album that sold the most copies exactly. with Black Sabbath. Exactly. And, and, and they... Um, they ended their. They just ended their tour. They just ended their group um, in, in Birmingham. Yeah. In Birmingham, where they where began, all started, where yeah. they all started, yeah. and this was in February. I had friends of mine who flew over there, and they were, you know, uh, just absolutely. It was amazing to see. Um, they they just had such a great time. But the getting back to this whole thing with the Maloik, I mean, and the Devil Horns. Now, I mean, it's just ridiculous how. Gene would want to patent or trademark something that, one, is the way he did his symbol was very similar to the I Love, I, I Love You from ASL, which is American Sign Language. Correct. You can't patent it. <laughs> you can't trademark that. Come on. Because then what it means, and that's why I said cha-ching, that means money. And you're doing it, and, and then people would be doing it you know, for deal. I mean, come on. Ronnie would have never, ever even thought, it would have never crossed his mind that, hey, I'm going to trademark the Maloik. That's, you know, something that was, you know, a tra you know, an old Italian tradition. An old Italian tradition. Tradition, I mean, you know, to ward off the evil eye or whatever, you know, from eight, you know, from bygone ages. You, that is, you know, something that, that's public domain for God's it's sake. It's public domain, and but it's like, also, it's also, to be honest with you, with, with Gene doing the, the quote unquote, I love you symbol. And we do the, the devil horns. The fact is, is that we're, we're not saying something satanic. And the, the first band, everybody has to realize this, history. Let's, let's go back in history. There was a band named Coven who in 1969 did that particular symbol. Okay? And it was off, uh, it was off of an album that... Uh, they did called, it was called Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reaps Souls. It was their 1969 debut album, and it shows two of the members doing the devil horns hand gestures, okay? And it's 1969. Simmons claims that he started doing his symbol, which is actually the I Love You symbol, from from American Sign Language, from the Hotter Than Hell tour in 1974. All right. Of course, Dio started perfecting the horns, the the devil horns in like in 1980 with Black Sabbath. Hmm. And so you know what? If any judge is smart enough, and the patent, they look at the history of this. I don't care how you. Make it seven days of, I don't know. I, I don't know, care what argument it is. Having worked in law myself for as long as I did, this should never have been considered. This should never have been brought up. Exactly. It's, it's, it's silly. It's, it's silly. silly. And you're bringing <laughs> up like... principles. You, you know, Wendy, Wendy Deal, you know, who is the longtime manager um, who has managed Ronnie's estate for the last seven years since his passing um, in May of 2010, just 
could not believe it, said it was disgusting, that she, yet he would bring up something like this. I mean, it is part of the metal world. And that's what even Ronnie explained in that metal evolution thing. He goes, it's just part of the community. It's part of us. And, you know, there's times, look, I listen to melodic rock. I listen to hard rock, like the Deep Purples, um, you know, that those kinds of bands and, and the Aerosmiths. But the fact of the matter is, is that heavy metal, it's some of a, of a it's a symbol. It's a, it's to me, it's a love symbol. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's camaraderie. We're family. It's, we're it is. Family. It is because we're the ones who wear the black shirts. We're the ones who, <laughs> who were the outcast. We're the ones who, I'm the who, rebels. The rebels. <laughs> the and misunderstood. Misunderstood, and we came <laughs> together for this music. Am I always, you know, wanting to to like stuff like the the death death metal and and some of the stuff that I can't understand? I mean, no. But I love the the Iron Maidens and the I love those kinds of bands, the Scorpions. And you have these hard rock bands that yes, they did the the harder stuff and then they did the more softer things. And I I just don't get it. Why Gene would do something as silly as this? And I, I guess it's publicity. He, you know, some people want to be in publicity, but Ronnie cannot defend himself. The only thing he can defend himself is through video that was, you know, said and and uh, and immortalized, thank, thank, thankfully, by Banner Films, well, who that did would be, the Metal Evolution. Well, if he was given the if he was given the trademark, then that means every time you'd see a T-shirt or something, he gets or paid used for it, it. He'd get paid for it. He gets paid. So for he's it. trying to get paid on some. And I, you know, and he knows that it's probably not right, but you know, some unfortunately in this day and age, and we've all seen it, where somebody goes and meets with a businessman who has a lot of money, and they say, "Oh, we're not interested in your idea," and then that businessman goes and runs and gets the patent on it right. and leaves the other person, you know, out in the out in the dust. We have tons of situations where writers submit their. Uh, their ideas for television programs and movies, and what they they say, well, we're not interested in it, and they take that same movie or television program and move a couple of things right. and take the entire idea from that person, and it, and it's really kind of a slippery slope, you know. But with somebody who has so much power and so much money and still has a career because Kiss still plays to big, big crowds, there's no reason for him to have to be that greedy. Well, exactly. And that's why when he, he mentions, you just mentioned that Kiss wants to do a free concert. You know, it's just, I mean, I think it's... It's about time. Well, it's about time, but at the same time, at the same time, what is the motive? And I go, you know, I would, I it's it's like me. I did not go to the Blackmore concerts, the Rainbow concerts, as much as I am a huge, huge fan of Rainbow is because of the management. It was a personal choice, and it was because of my dealings with that management. Um, you know, talk about an idea, and I, I, I mean, I can't bring it up, and I won't. I mm-hmm. won't because out of out of respect um, for for um, for the music, but the, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's just. Um, it's it's tough sometimes when you're in the other side. Yeah. Because you do find out things. You do want to... Um, sometimes we're close to that because of what we do. And then you realize that it's kind of the fans that are suffering, uh, you know, from something that might be going down second rate 
when it could have been first rate. Well, you know, it, it could have been first rate. And, and you know, it's funny, we were talking about first rate. Um, we were talking about possible, you know, uh, last shows or something, or maybe reunions. Um, next year, and obviously we'll probably bring this up in another podcast, but next year is the 30th anniversary of um, the Inbe Al- uh, Malmsteen album, Odyssey. Oh. That came out. Remember April yeah, 4, yeah. April 4th, 1988 is when that album came out. And Anders Johansson, who was the drummer, um, he met with JoLynn Turner, um, and they were talking about a possible reunion. Hmm. But that was just talk. It's, it's, they either call it stage talk or whatever. But he had actually mentioned on his Facebook page, he goes, here's JoLynn Turner. And Joe was, Joe was doing his own, you know, and stuff with his, uh, um, I think his own devil horns or whatever. I can't remember what he did. But he, uh, he did, he, he uh, hammed for the camera. And uh, they met in, in Anders himself. He goes, well, maybe we can talk about doing that. And some people were actually coming up with ideas to put Jeff Scott Soto, Mark Bowles, and Mark Bowles even answered on the Facebook post. And he goes, he goes, well, he goes, the reason I, I wasn't in the band anymore because I wasn't paid. <laughs> and I felt bad. And he was good. He was good. He did lie. I met him, I met him he, recently at uh, the, in the Rock Vault. Really, and mm-hmm. and he did he did Queen is dead. I think it says uh, the Queen is dead or liar whatever whatever his songs were. Right, for he did because he was the and Joe. No, because he has a great voice. Oh, he does, and he does. They also, oh, and look, they at just jo- look, oh, look at Jeff, Jeff Scott, Scott Soto. Soto. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh. And didn't even Doogie White? If Doogie White has even performed with Bay. You know, Michael Vizcarra has Michael Vizcarra, that's I mean, it. He's that's got a great it. voice, too. They all... The Inway's always had a good vocalist, but the lyrics are shit because he doesn't let anybody write the lyrics. The only time the lyrics were good was Which, when Joe Jolene did them. Turner, right, because, Turner did them. Right, because yeah. he said, I'll, I'll... And those were the songs that had the most cohesiveness, well, too. Why? Right. Well, did you know why? Because what happened was, you remember, Inway had three albums on the charts at that time, Okay. He literally helped stimulate his career. He had Marching Out Trilogy and Rising Force. Marching Out. They were still, they, they were actually on the charts in the, like, the 140s. Right. Because during that time, I, I picked up the Billboard magazines. I researched that. And what happened was, is Polygram Records in 1987 came up to Joel and Turner and said, Look, you are the guy that we want. It was either, it was Dick Asher or it was... Um, Jim, I, I can't remember, Jim Lewis, okay, Bolly, uh, a Polygram VP, who comes up to Jolyn Turner and says, look, um, we want you to sign, you know, a, a year with a, a three-month, uh, you know, option and stuff, you know, so basically a 15-month contract um, and to, you know, to help develop this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, we know he has a potential because Mike Barney with uh, uh, had him as the, what was it, metal... Um, uh, he he signed him. Mm-hmm. He was the one who signed him, and uh, they put him together. And of course, Joel and Turner had already been in Rainbow. He had already been in Fandango. He was writing some in Fandango. He had already had his own band in Ezra when he you know that was a never a recorded album, but um, uh, you know a band and stuff that was in the early seventies. Then Fandango in the seventies when he was you know in the late seventies. Rainbow, of course, he was writing with Roger Clover. And, of course, Richie Blackman, Richie, Richie was doing the music, and Roger and him were, were the songwriters on that. Right. 
you know, he and he had already had like 50 tapes of his own and stuff of, of different singles and things like that. And one of them ended up getting stolen. Well, that's a different story, but okay. but that's a different story. But anyways, he was a prolific songwriter. Yeah. And so what Inve would do was just go, look, here is a song called uh, Crystal Ball. It's what you can do. Here is a song, and they, they wrote together um, Deja Vu. You know, Deja Vu, Dreams Come True, I See My Soul Inside of You, you know. Mm-hmm. Odyssey was named for the fact of, the, of all the problems that were going on. But you see, they want to do a 30th anniversary. What should have been done with Rainbow should have been done with Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Rainbow. Hopefully, we'll get done with Ingbe's. With Ingbe Malmsteen. Malmsteen. And having said that, I'm going to bring up one last tidbit of news. If we can. If we can. There is another 30th anniversary tour oh, okay. that is going to be going on. And this person is very, very dear to me. And everybody that knows me knows that I had the ultimate crush on her all through the metal years. And I'm talking about uh, Doro. Doro. <laughs> Doro. Doro Pesh. She is still gorgeous. And she's. Th- oh she, my gosh. She is a beautiful person uh, on the inside as well as on the outside. And, you know, um, long friendship with her over the years. And, you know, it's come to my attention, you know, that uh, Tommy Bolin, uh, Tommy Bolan, you know, however you want to pronounce that, um, is going to be doing the 30th anniversary tour for. Um, the Warlock album Triumph and Agony. Really? Where they play the album Triumph and Agony. Is she going to come in? In its entirety. I'm sure she will because she's such oh, a road warrior. No. So I'm, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And it was it's funny because all these great albums are coming up on big anniversaries. I would love to see the interaction with you and her. Oh. No. That would it, be so cool. It's funny because like... Because you have such, she has such a great friendship, haven't you? You've, you've talked to her on the phone and everything, right? Yeah, I used to call her at, ho- at her house and stuff sometimes, you know, oh. and stuff. Yeah, and then, yeah, back she in never Because she never married. She, she never, never married. married. No, it, she told me when I interviewed her, she says, you guys are my family. She says, you know, our fa- my family is what's out there. She goes... You know, and she told me, you know, she was happy, you know, that, you know, I, you know, had kids, whatever. She goes, but, you know, she goes, I chose this path for me. He goes, wow. so, you know, the metal, you know, the metal community, she goes, that's my family. And that's, wow. and I, and I, you know, not to sound cheesy, but, you know, you go to my house, right? And you <laughs> you go to my living room, you're going to see a Triumph and Agony poster uh-huh. signed by her in my, in my house, along with, a, you know, everybody sees pictures of the family. And then there's a picture of Doro. You know, on the fa- on the family, you know, with the family pictures, and they go, "Who's this blonde girl?" I go, "Oh, that's Doro," because she's like, you know, she. And you had a girlfriend too, right? And you you would still have uh, your girlfriend. You you when you you and your girlfriend, you still have. Oh, their pictures, pictures never ended up where Doro's was at. <laughs> <laughs> Doro's Doro's remained there. Has had a constant presence on my on my on my on my uh, coffee table pictures or my or my or my fireplace pictures. Oh <laughs> but, boy! Yeah. It's well, like, you know. My, my, my son even one time told me he looks around. He goes, he goes, "Aren't you going to put any pictures of the family up?" And I go, <laughs> "Oh, hey, yeah." <laughs> oh, one, it yeah. sounds like my band. Oh my God! I have over the rainbow. I have over the rainbow on one side. I have I have Richie Blackmore and Jolyn Turner. A huge display that was made years ago. I wish I could have Joe sign it, but I I don't want to haul this thing around. I got pictures. I'm like, oh, I know it's embarrassing sometimes, but I don't care. 
And and yes, I do have I do have a picture of me and and my ex husband. Yes, um, there and hopefully one day me and my new boyfriend. I and for the, and and, for, and 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 to know, yeah, I do have pictures of my son. No, I and know. daughter and, 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 and my all parents. That stuff I have and, parents. I have know, my pictures so, of my parents too. But but still, but I mean, you when know? you walk into my house and it hits you in the face, there's you know, wow. Loud Magazine number one with Metallica on the cover, and then you see a big poster size of the same print. It's really cool. Well, you know, it, uh, you know, we were talking about purple earlier, and uh, it will be the 30th anniversary that I have met them because I'm actually going to meet them in uh, in August. Um, I had to buy, I bought a ticket, a VIP ticket, um, to go see them when they're playing um, at uh, the uh, the venue uh, over there in uh, West Phoenix, and uh, I can't wait because it's going to be 30 awesome. years, and I'm going to have. Uh, uh, Roger Glover and Ian Pace signed one of my photographs I took of them of their last tour. Oh, sweet. And I have a base pick that Roger threw to me when I was in Washington State to see them a um, few days after. I saw them in, um, in Phoenix when I took their pictures. He threw me a base pick because I was showing the Now What album, you know. Oh, and gotcha, he was so gotcha. sweet. And the, the, the security guard, because I, mm-hmm. had, I had photo presses, the security guard gave it to me. And then I bought, um, you know, drumsticks from, uh, you know, from the, the vendor and everything, the merch, um, you know, of Ian Pace. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to put it in a shadow box. So oh, I'll nice. be able to do that. Once I'll have the picture, I'm going to do like 11 by 14 oh, cool. or anything. And then, and then have that printed. But 30 years. And That's at that nice. time, it was, and it will be minus um, Ian Gillen, because Ian Gillen normally does not meet with, um, with the fans and stuff. And that's fine. He has to prepare himself you know, yeah, for the shows, because that's voice. tough. He has to. Yeah, the voice. The voice. I and mean, because it's hard enough at his age to, to, especially because, you know, he used to be such a screamer, and that's, there's nothing that can make your voice deteriorate. Well, exactly, that. and he's also, too, um, he had mentioned in this interview, this latest interview that they had on him, that he, uh, he usually joins the band about a half an hour before. The band will do their thing for whatever, and then a half an hour before, he'll join the band members, they're usually real lively. He's just kind of in thought and so on and so forth. And then, because he knows he's going to be doing an hour and a half workout, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, with the band and stuff. And, you know, he wants to give it to, to the fans and stuff. But meeting them is going to be amazing. amazing. Yeah, it really is, again, you know, and stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to talk to Roger Glover and uh, Ian Pace and Steve Morris and, and uh, meeting Don Every for the first time. I'm yeah. excited. That'll be cool. Oh my gosh, he he's an amazing, amazing guy. And it's, and I it's and you will hear about this on the podcast. Absolutely, but I think we've we have now wrapping it up. I know we have kind of went on a little bit of tangents, and we always and it was funny to... because we had, we had started off the week not knowing what our subject matter was going to be, and of course when we get in the room, me and Julie together will always keep it rolling. And this time we managed to go probably for, for our longest podcast ever. Absolutely. And we've been, what, friends for 32 years this August when I worked at a mom-and-pop record store. And we met, and that's the first time we met. Isn't that crazy? August. It was like around August 8th or something like that. I don't know when you came into the store. But wow. uh, 1985. Not 1985 when we met. <laughs> Scary. I know, huh? <laughs> well, anyways, okay. we're wrapping it up here. and uh, Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us at uh, Rock On with Joe and Julie. I didn't even get to mention that, what our podcast was. Um, here at the offices of Modern Times Magazine, signing off.